Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of my podcast, Brazilian Polyglot. Another episode of our third season, Living English, where I interview a native speaker of English to discuss about a topic non-related to language learning. The objective of these episodes is to help you improve your listening comprehension and your overall knowledge of the world, as you will learn about many different topics and broaden your horizons at the same time that you learn new vocabulary and get exposure to English. I just want to remind you that I am on Instagram as Brazilian Polyglot, and I go by the same name on YouTube. And if you want to learn an effective way of studying English and being able to communicate better, stay tuned in my content. And if you want my help to guide you on this path of learning English, make sure you check out my online language school, Brazilian Polyglot School, or BPS. In my school, I offer you all the tools you need to improve your listening, reading, writing, and especially speaking, as I guide you through the process of becoming fluent in English. To learn more about BPS, just click the link to my website down below. We're here again with Michael from the channel English with Mr. Finn. Hello, Michael. Thank you again for accepting my invite to be part of this podcast again. It's always a pleasure to see you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Last time we discussed about your journey, no, not really discussed, you shared your interesting journey of pursuing the green card for your wife. Now we are going into a different route in our discussion, in our episode. We are going to talk about freedom and we even picked this title for today's episode, which you picked, by the way. <laughs> USA, the land of the free, home of the brave. So, Or is it? Is it? Huh? Or is it? First things first, what is freedom for you? Freedom for me is to live the life that I choose to live and without basically any, any interference from outside forces. Like, um, you got to understand, like, the way the country was founded. Uh, America is the first country in history that is an experiment of self-governance. Every other country in history, if you look back, was ruled by king, a monarchy, right? A king, a queen, a dictator, an emperor. And America in 1776 broke away from the monarchy and became the first country in history that governed itself. And what I mean by that, and you can see this on the constitution, we the people, So the people are the ones in power. And going back to our title, I think a lot of Americans have forgotten that, that the government, the, 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 the politicians, they are our employees. They work for us. And uh, we're losing that, though. We're losing mm -hmm. that, 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 that knowledge, the understanding of history and the price What, what the price of freedom actually is. You know, from your voice, I can feel a certain tone of sadness <laughs> yes. when you say that. So you have lived a good part of your life in Brazil. Now you're in the process of moving back to the U.S. US we're recording this podcast uh, 
late September 2021. How different is this concept of freedom and a, co- a government? No, a country that governs itself, right? As you said, a country mm-hmm. that governs itself. How mm-hmm. different is this concept in Brazil and in the US? Well, I, th- I think a lot of how Brazil is nowadays is a is kind of a copy of America, right? Because Brazil is a little older than America. I think it's maybe 100, 200 years older than America is than the United States. Let's be clear, right? With our terminology, because Brazil's in America too, right? Um, mm-hmm. So uh, Brazil's older, older than the United States, but it started out from a page, uh, monarchy, right? Portugal monarchy. And um, it came first, the whole, the whole beginnings are totally different. Uh, when when from my understanding brazil was started out of extortion when they found when they found south america and they found the resources and the gold and the minerals and the trees and stuff because you know europe is an old continent and it's heavily populated so they had a lot of people and, and and they lacked a lot of resources and what the americas were for many europeans was a, a fountain of resources just uh, they so brazil south america it's it, from what i understand I'm, I'm not very educated in brazilian history as much as i would like to be but it started out as being extorted they came they took the indians and enslaved them they took the the pau brazil right the tree they took the tree and used the tree the minerals the the gold they stole the gold from the the native tribes and stuff so it was all about extortion and then i guess you could say the catholic church came in and set up missionaries and you know people started coming over and then you had europeans coming over to settle right there in the south and stuff things like that that's my understanding um, the United States is totally different. In the very beginning, see, the British, they saw how the other European countries were becoming rich, how the French were becoming rich, how the Spanish were becoming rich. And the English were like, well, shoot, I want some of that. So they set a, they set a charter to, the, to what is now known as the United States back in 16... I have to refresh my history, but uh, 1607, it was the first permanent settlement. It was actually the third settlement, but the previous two didn't last. Actually, the second one totally disappeared. So the one that was set settled in 1607 uh, settled in Jamestown, Virginia. And if anybody knows the story of Pocahontas and John Smith and stuff, that's where it takes place. Pocahontas was a real person. John Smith was a real person. Now their love story wasn't real. That's Disney, but these people were real people and it took place in this settlement. Now, when these people came, they were business. They, they came for business. So you had a lot of miners and a lot of jewel smiths, people that make jewelry and stuff. But when they arrived in Virginia, there wasn't a lot of gold on that part of the continent. They didn't discover gold in the North American continent until the 1800s on the West Coast. So uh, they had to end up, turning to furs and uh, frontier exploring and woods and stuff. Now, how did America really get started? That's the story of the pilgrims 20 years later in 1620. If anybody knows the story of the pilgrims and the first Thanksgiving, these were people that are being persecuted in England because of the church of England, the church of England was persecuting people that weren't following the King. So they left, they actually went to Holland first because Holland is a free country, so they could practice their religion freely, but they didn't like it there because it was so free and so liberal, they were afraid of losing their children to society. 
you understand? Mm -hmm. So they, they were able to hire or rent a ship called the Mayflower and travel. And their destination was, I believe if, if my history serves me correctly, they were, I can't remember if they were going to head to Jamestown, the settlement I told you about, or New Amsterdam, which is now nowadays known as New York. But a storm blew them off course and they landed on Plymouth Rock. And America, as we know, the United States, as we know it today, can trace their roots back to the pilgrims, not to Jamestown, not to New Amsterdam, but the pilgrims, because these people didn't come to extort or to take back. They actually came to settle. They came for their freedoms. They came to worship freely and to live freely. And we could go on a huge tangent on them that I'll try to, I'll try to summarize, but things they consider themselves God's new chosen people. They were on a mission of God and they came there and things they ran into an Indian named Squanto who could speak English. Like imagine that a speaking English, they found a, a, an abandoned village with food. So they had nothing. They didn't know how to do anything, but things were prepared for them. And you could say quote unquote divinely. So, so the roots, the roots of America's freedom and of self-governance comes goes all the way back to the beginning of 1620 of the pilgrims and the puritans separating from england to start a whole new life and from there history unfolds history unfolds that's beautiful vocabulary yeah so <clears throat> i see i see what you mean it's not that brazil yeah brazil when it comes to the roots of the freedom what was that that you said before the roots of freedom you used some interesting chunk of uh language. i talked about what personal liberties uh -huh, personal freedoms. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. the roots of <clears throat> the personal freedoms that were established in the u.s <laughs> you made a point of saying the united states not just america because we're yeah. america too goes all the way back to the birth of the nation yeah it was mm -hmm. quite different from brazil i agree do you feel more free or freer? What's the comparative no. in this case? More free. You could, yeah, you could do that. You could say more free. Do you and feel I do more free in Brazil than you felt in the US? Uh, no, not necessarily. Not necessarily. And I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll tell you why. Because I can be in trouble here in Brazil for speaking out against things that I don't agree with. You have signs everywhere talking about can't discriminate against this and that because of this orientation or that orientation. Well, I, I, I can, I can shoot a thousand holes in that logic. Why are those the only ones you can't discriminate against? Why can't you discriminate against blacks? Why can't you discriminate against shorts? Why can't you discriminate against uh, mentally disabled? Why can't you just, I mean, you, you shouldn't be able to discriminate against anybody. Or on the contrary, private businesses should be able and should be allowed to exclude business to anybody they want. That's what it comes with uh, um, open market, free market. So I could get in trouble in Brazil if I speak out against something that I don't agree with, but is protected by the law. Um, you could say, quote unquote, hate speech, right? Hate quote unquote, speech. right? Mm -hmm. Quote unquote, and I say, quote unquote, hate speech because Discourse this gets, you, yeah? yeah, mm -hmm. because think, think about this. Uh, what is hate speech? How do you define hate speech? You could say something that's offensive to me and I say that's hate speech, but who's the, who's, who's the moderator that says this is hate speech or not? Do you understand my point in my, as, as an American, there's no such thing as hate speech. There's no such thing. There's no such thing because you, mm -hmm. you are allowed to have your opinion. 
I could totally disagree with you. I could call you a racist or a bigot, but you have the right to think that way, even though how, no matter how wrong I think it is and vice versa. And you know, that's so impressive to me, Michael, that as a Brazilian, I always thought that we were developing this sense of freedom in our country. For example, I think of the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this gay parade in Sao Paulo. It has been happening for quite a few years already, you know, and I know that in California, I'm not sure about the other states, but California is one of the states that's more open to the LGBT Sac- community. Yeah, uh, Sacramento, Westwood, Hollywood. Yeah, there's got a lot of areas. But I mean, I'm just using this as an example, yeah, there's a minority, minority, you know that I'm a vegan and vegetarian, so I know what it feels to be yeah, part of a minority. Yeah, nobody's perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know what it feels like to be part of a minority, you know? (laughs) Anyway, so it's impressive to me when I hear you say that, because I never thought we were going down that route, you know? You say that you... (laughs) You get in trouble for speaking up. You could, you could, you could get a fine. You could get a fine, an expensive fine. And why? Because I have a difference of an opinion. I mean, you could get a fine in Brazil. Yeah, you, it says right there, subject to multa, subject to a fine. Look at the plaques. Look at the plaques. You can't speak out against things that are quote unquote protected. Why? Like I should have the right to my opinion, regardless what you like it or what, what, whether you think about it or not. And look, even in America, like these racist terms, like the N word. Okay, I think it's a wrong thing to say, but there's history behind it. And there are racists that exist, but they have the right to that, to that opinion. Does that make sense? Okay, it is a hateful opinion. Sure, but everything is perspective. And who's going to be the arbitrator? Who's going to be the one that says this is hate speech, this is accepted speech? You know, that's when you're getting into dangerous territory. You reminded me of something. Uh, during my time in San Diego, <clears throat> I had this friend and she owned a salon, a Brazilian spa, a waxing spa. Okay. And then she had all these clients coming in. And then after the client got satisfied with the service, she would leave a review on Yelp. Yelp is, is this review website. You know that. But here in Brazil, we, we, we don't have that. I mean, we do, but people use more Google reviews. Yeah. But I feel that this... Uh, uh, it's not ability. What's the word that I thought of? This uh, initiative of leaving a review about a service that you had is not as popular in Brazil as it is in the US. And I was connecting to what you were just sharing. Uh huh. Because, you know, I go to a restaurant. I like the service. That's OK. I like the service. I'm not, you know, I'm not really triggered by something. No, that's not a good word. I'm not encouraged. What's the word? I'm not motivated. I'm motivated. not very motivated to leave a review, but America's, they, they seem to be opinionated about everything. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are. You know? Um, because look, and that's what people, people fail to understand. And nowadays, and like you said in the beginning, how there's some sadness in my voice, because there is. Um, I'm seeing the, deg- you know, the, 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 you could say the collapse, you could say the, the cannibalization from within of what's going on, because not enough people, I would say majority of people nowadays are just, they're uneducated, uneducated about history. I've seen enough, like kind of, you could say spoof videos or, you know, just funny videos, but you have someone go in the streets and interview people like you young people, I would say people my age, but I'm kind of considered, I guess, old nowadays, whatever, <laughs> but like, you could say, go interview like 20 year olds about basic stuff. And they know nothing. They know nothing. The, the educational system nowadays is just, it, it reminds me of the Pink Floyd song, another brick in the wall. Like, I don't agree 
with the modern day educational system, Brazil and America, you know, like they want everyone to learn the same way and everybody doesn't learn the same way. And they care more about, um, I don't know, the, the teacher's own personal tenure or just passing the student along. And it's, oh, it's the next teacher's problem next semester, rather than going to the root of the problem and really educating somebody. And I, as an educator myself, you know, as, a, as an English teacher, but I do consider myself an educator is that I think one of the, you could say the, the, the keys or the, the methods of, of, of properly educating somebody is to stimulate or create curiosity in the person by asking questions and helping people learn to think, just to think and not, not just to, we, I mean, cause I could go off on so many different tangents with this comment, but it's like, <laughs> we live in a time now where people just don't think anymore. Everything is emotion-based and everyone just regurgitates what they've absorbed. Like they're plugged into the matrix and you know, they're just, it's just like repeating talking points and nobody, nobody, nobody takes time anymore to really think about the positions that they believe or they think about mainly because lots, unfortunately nowadays, lots of people are being ostracized for speaking out for what they, you know, about their own convictions. And this is why, you know, like, are we really free anymore? Really? Because the real basis, I mean, we could talk about a lot of different freedoms, but if you think about it, the real true basis of a free society is the freedom of speech. And people need to understand the definition when we talk about freedom of speech. It doesn't mean you have the right to say whatever you want. You cannot go in a crowded theater and yell fire. You can't go to a beach and yell shark. You cannot incite violence or, you know, threaten someone's, you know, I'm going to kill you or blow this. This is not freedom of speech. That is inciting violence. Freedom of speech, what that means is you have the right to express your opinion, regardless of how arbitrary or quote unquote hateful that is, or how it could trigger somebody. The freedom of speech gives you the right as a human being that's made in the image of likeness of God to express yourself, how you feel, what you think, your, what's your opinion. That's it's, it. That's what it means. Especially because language, speech, that's what differentiates us from other categories of animals i mean we're the only category we're the only well, reign of animal that is able to use speech to express our thoughts my well, dog about cannot, it. my dog cannot express her thoughts the same way i can think about it who else i mean mozart shakespeare poetry art i mean we we as humans and this this could get me on a theological tangent but uh we we we're such there's so much depth to us and each single person is important and who has value i don't I, I used to have i had a student one time a 14 year old it was the hardest the hardest moment of my life as a teacher when i caught a few comments coming out of her mouth where she was basically expressing suicide and i had a heart oh it was one of the hardest hardest moments of my life as a teacher where i spent over half an hour or no, 40 minutes of my time after class talking to her and trying to um express this this notion of her value every single person has innate value there's no there's no one like you ludimilla there's mm -hmm. no one like me and mm -hmm. so this goes back to that argument of freedom of speech and having your opinion you have your opinion you have your own brain and your own thoughts and your own beliefs and your own desires and your own fears and your own whatever 
And who or what government has the right to squash that, to, to, to quelch it like a fire? And this is where my passion comes from because I'm starting to see this dissipate or not only say dissipate, be starting to become, starting to be suffocated by the government. Mm -hmm. And not just one government from a specific country. Do you think that these has become a tendency? Yes, it has. But what I have to, I, I, what I want, I, I have to stop myself sometimes to clarify my thoughts. <laughs> what I want to re re uh, reiterate, what I want to clarify, there is not a single country in the world that is like the United States. And when I say that, I'm talking about the foundation of the government and what are what the United States stands for. It's a, it's a country of laws where laws are meant to be enforced equally from the president to the janitor at the school. The laws are meant to be enforced equally amongst all places. And the and the Constitution of the United States when it was written back in uh 17 because the country became country in 1776 and then the new government the first government had the articles of confederation and i believe it was 17 oh man 17 maybe 1780 something i can't remember i have to re research my history but they had the ratification where they ratified the articles of 1788 i just googled 88 it. okay 1780 i was new was in the 80s 1780s but it wasn't immediately after the revolution they had because the the first the first government was Articles of Confederation. What was that? That was a loose alliance of 13, 13 states. You see, the first flag of the United States had 13 stars. People need to understand the stars on the flag represents one star for each state. So the first one up there had 13 stars because there was 13 states. So the first government after the Revolutionary War was a loose confederation of 13 states. What does that mean? That means that each state was a kind of a sovereign mini country that had relations with the states next to it. So they would work together and they wanted to make a president. They wanted George Washington to be president. George Washington was like, no, 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 screw you. I'm not gonna be a president of a mess. They needed, to, they needed a strong central government. So that's when they had the ratification and they created the constitution. I believe it was James Madison, you could, fact checked me, but it was James Madison who, who was the father of the Constitution. And when they established the Constitution, when they wrote the Constitution, because what is the Constitution? Let me clarify this. People have a misconception of what government is. And this is, as an American, I get very adamant about. Government does not issue rights. Government does not issue your rights because what a government can give you, a government can take away. Thomas Jefferson said that. He said, be careful of giving government too much power. What they can give you, they can take away. Government does not give you the rights. What is the government's role then? What is their purpose? It's to protect your God-given rights. If you look at the document, if you look at the document of the American government, the Constitution, our rights are inalienable. What does that mean? Inalienable means God-given. It's not given by man. So to clarify, what does the Constitution do? It doesn't limit the citizen. Its job is to limit government power. The, the Constitution is a blueprint of how the government's supposed to operate, dividing the power. The government, American government is divided into three, three powers, which, why three powers? It's like a tripod. You take one away, it's going to collapse. So it stands on three pillars, okay? Executive, which is, enforces the law. Legislative, which creates the law. Judicial, which interprets the law. And they do more than that, but 
just to kind of keep it simple, that's what it does. Okay, so the Constitution illustrates or clearly specifies what each role, which what each branch of government can do and what they can't do. It's kind of vague, so it leaves things open for interpretation. But right when they created the Constitution, they created what is known as the Bill of Rights. That's the first ten amendments to the Constitution that specify what the rights are of citizens that government cannot infringe on. What does that mean? The governments cannot take away. And right now in the United States, the First Amendment, which is which is created of five rights, five freedoms, um, I would say one of them is practically destroyed already, freedom of the press. Uh, they're trying to uh, squash the freedom. I'll tell you the five rights, the five, the five freedoms that the First Amendment protects. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of the press, uh, freedom to petition the government of grievances. And the fifth one is the right to peaceably assemble. Now, what does that mean? Check this out. Check this out. Oh, no, I have this memorized. I Check Googled this. it. <laughs> I, no, I, ha I have it memorized. I have, said it I, perfectly. I have it memorized. No, check this out. What does that mean? And you're going to see, you're going to see how there's serious conflict of what's going on these last year and a half and two years. Lockdowns, lockdowns force you to stay in your house. Hey, government, kiss my beep, beep, beep. beep. Yeah. Why? Because what does it say? The right to peaceably assemble. What does that mean? I have the right to gather. Why does the government want to lock you in so you don't conspire against the government? So you don't work up plans. People do not realize the American government, the American, the, the United States, the country was birthed out of rebellion because they conspired in bars and in pubs against the crown. So the, the founding fathers literally put this in the Constitution. This is a right you have. So all these lockdowns that the government's trying to enforce and handcuff you and put you in jail like they're doing in Australia and lots of these places around the world. It is against the law in the United States. Like I told you before, the United States, the Constitution does not limit the freedoms of the citizens. It limits what the government is allowed to do. And apparently, quite the opposite has been happening lately, yeah? Because people, because people don't realize where the power truly lies. This goes back to mm -hmm. what I was saying. Too many people are uneducated about the past. They don't realize where the power really is, and they don't stand up. I was talking to my wife about this earlier today, uh, and I'm kind of preparing her because we're going to America, and she's very sheltered on a lot of things that are happening, and it's purposely done that way because it's my job as her husband to protect my family. And she can't handle a lot of these things because you know she gets anxiety. Mm -hmm. but I've let her know that there's going to be some hard times. And I just need her to just trust my lead and not to give me too much resistance. Cause what I'm doing is going to the betterment of our family. But what is happening now? Um, the way I see it. Okay. I just can speak about my point of view is people, the, the powers that be are basically creating a two tier system and dividing the people as far as you're going to be a very difficult life. If you want to fight for your freedoms and be truly free or be a comfortable slave. Follow the rules, follow the mandates, listen to us. Big daddy government, we'll take care of you. Stay home, we'll give you a paycheck. Stay home, we'll send you this. We're gonna have universal, what is it? Universal salary for everybody. You know what? I'm like, screw you. I'd rather make my own money, regardless of if it's less than what you're gonna pay me, but I'm gonna do it myself because I could sleep happily and, and a clear conscience at night because I did it myself and I'm not sucking on the government teat. Oh, yeah. Sorry. 
You get but, way too excited. This is cool. <laughs> but this is but this is what's happening. This is what's happening. Look what happened to your president Bolsonaro. He doesn't want to get vaccinated, so he wasn't allowed in restaurants and stuff in New York. You know what? Screw you. There is a a law. There is a law. I I uh, I can't think of the name of it right now. But it's the uh, Protection and Privacy Act, where your medical record is private, and now you got to show documents. Tell me mm -hmm. in history. Tell me in history, certain governments where you had to show documents to go places and do things, where where you created a two-class citizen. You know what happens? How these governments first start to squash their enemy? They label them. They label them. You're labeling them, and then once you label them, it's easy to attack them. And look, I'm not I'm not trying to say like what. But like, I love history and I'm seeing it repeat itself. And, you know, you think about this, there's a book, I forgot the name of the book, but some of the most, some of the most, some of the worst atrocities in history were done by normal people. They were done by normal people mm -hmm. because you become desensitized to things and you don't want to create waves and you want your own comfort. Okay. It's okay. They're taking away my neighbor's rights, but it's, but, but you don't realize soon enough, they're going to be at your door. And knocking on your door so when are you going to take a stand when are you going to stand up when and see as an american myself i i really i i i try to live by these convictions and i am prepared to suffer a little bit and to have liberties taken away because i will not be forced to do things that i i just don't want to do you're not going to force me you're not what the hell you're mm -hmm. work for me government you work <laughs> for me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyways, anyways. When I googled the five freedoms it protects that you mentioned, and then um, I came across this website mtsu.edu. I think it's from a university or something, and then it says, "Together, these five guaranteed freedoms make the people of the United States of America the freest in the world." Would exactly. you say? that because this is one of the reasons why the U.S. is so appealing to immigrants. Well, think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Think about this. Why is America America? Because of the freedom of its people. Because like we said about like we like we talked about in the beginning, it is the first of its kind, this experimental self-governing body where we govern ourselves. And these freedoms, these freedoms have allowed a people to create this 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 I don't want to say utopia, but all of these wonderful things that we use nowadays that we take for we take take uh, take for granted. This came from freedoms, freedoms to to risk. With great risk comes great reward. You take risks. I mean, I'm going on. I'm taking a huge risk right now. What I'm doing, but that's the American spirit. This this taking a chance, knowing what you can do, and you know that the, the that the fall can be great as well. But look. That and the Second Amendment, what makes America America? Um, because people don't people misinterpret the Second Amendment. Okay, so the First Amendment protects five freedoms, five rights. But the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment allows me to protect myself. It means that I'm allowed to have weapons, guns. And it doesn't mean in my house. It says the right to bear arms. The verb to bear in Portuguese, carregar, comigo. I can bear arms. I can carry. Why? Because the safety, the safety of for the safe, my safety and my family's safety is not the police's job, not the government's job. It's my job. Bear as in B-A-R-E? No, B-E-A-R. 
B-E-A-R, to bear, the verb to bear. B-E-A-R. Mm-hmm. To bear arms. And see, people, even, even in the United States, people want to misinterpret this, uh, this amendment. Oh, oh, that means for hunting, for hunting. Really? Read the, second, read the Second Amendment again. It talks about having a well-formed militia. When do you have a militia that goes hunting? A militia is a self-governing military. You see, people don't realize that, but that's what it means. So why do you think they want to go for the guns? Why do you think every time there's a shooting or something in the United States, they want to make new gun laws, new gun laws? Bella modi bills, gente. We have enough laws. Just enforce the laws. There are already background checks. You cannot buy a gun if you're a criminal. You cannot do it. There's a waiting list. They got to do a background check. For a rifle, you can buy it. It take it home immediately if you if you pass a certain backdoor trip. A handgun, I think it's like 20 days because a handgun, it's easier to buy, conceal, and, and commit a crime rather than a rifle. But there are already laws in the books. What's happening is they're making it harder because they know a well-armed people, a well-armed people is harder to control and harder to overthrow. Look what's happening in Australia. Australia had forced buyback, forced gun buybacks, which is an oxymoron. How is it? How is it a buyback? Like they're going to buy my guns from me, but it's forced. So if I don't want to sell you my guns, you're going to come to my house with guns to take my guns. I mean, think about it. Look at the language of a, a, a forced buyback. But in 1996, they there's no more guns allowed in Australia. Like so normal citizens. Look what's now. Look what's happening now. The, the country's being overrun. New world order. That's what they're talking about. They mm -hmm. want zero code. It's it's yeah crazy. Wow. Crazy, crazy. Crazy doesn't even describe all of that. I think we needed a stronger word. So yeah, so that's why a uh, really quick, really quick. I yeah, know we're gonna wrap this up because I could go on and on and on and on and on and on yeah. and on. But the funny thing is, people in power, people in power, especially these quote unquote progressives, people that that look towards the the, the working class, which is if you need to do your research because they look for like they look out for themselves and the and their lobbyists and these big big bucks but anyways you got beto o'rourke this guy from texas who was trying to run for president in the last election with the democrats and when they talked about taking away your guns he's like damn right i'm gonna take away your guns dude he's from texas and he says that why do you think he disappeared no americans love we love our guns not to do harm. See, and people have a misconception. And I understand I'm talking to Brazilians. So let me wrap up on this note to kind of give some people clarity what this idea about guns are, is. Mm -hmm. I've had guns most of my life. Before I moved to Brazil, I had three guns. I don't look as a, at a gun technically like as a weapon, even though it is a weapon. It's a tool, right? But it's a tool to kill. It is. But people need to understand that the gun itself is not dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's the person who's wielding the gun. So, for example, if, if I have a gun with me and if you're with me, you should feel super safe, super safe, because one, I know how to use it Two, It's going to stay where it is unless poo poo hits the fan <laughs> unless it's bad, until bad things go bad. It's like, what do you mean, Mr. Finn? Well, OK, here in Brazil, very strict gun laws, very strict gun laws, except interesting how criminals don't obey laws. Right. So that's funny how laws cre creating laws really fixes the problem. Um, but if somebody, if something happens, someone breaks into your house, what are you going to do? You're going to call somebody with a gun. Hey, please, uh -huh. please come and protect me. Well, guess uh -huh. what? You come into my house. You've, you've just committed suicide by Mr. Finn. Because for me, the only reason to have a gun is just to protect my family and myself. That's it. It's defensive, but guess what? I'll be ready to use it in a 
snap of a finger. You come in and put my family at risk. I won't even think twice. Pa pa pa. Done. <laughs> and the snap of a finger. That's a good yeah. of language. That's it. That that's how quick I would react. Why? Mm -hmm. If it's you or my family, what do you think? I would be failing my principal job as husband and father if I'm not stepping up in front, being that wall of defense and protection for them. Anyways, that gets back into that American spirit. Take care of yourself. Take care of your own and your neighbors. Charity was better off when government was smaller and private citizens were charitable. Missions and churches and people gave. When you didn't tax people so much, people gave. You know, you want to help people. You do. I want to help people. I, but the thing is, I want to help people who want to be helped. I'm not going to give some person on the street who likes to be on the street and ask for money, giving them money. Okay, you're hungry. I'll buy you a sandwich, but I'm not giving you money. I'm not condoning it. Condoning. Yeah, I'm not going to condone oh, it. I'm not going to contribute to it. Mm -hmm. so, so that's the idea. The American spirit is this. Life. Okay, what are the principles of America? The, the American dream. Life liberty and the pursuit of happiness not happiness the pursuit of happiness that's what america stands for now you spoke like a radio presenter <laughs> <laughs> so cool to wrap it up michael do, would you consider yourself opinionated maybe a little bit <laughs> <laughs> actually 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 i am very opinionated about nearly any aspect and every aspect of life what i have learned is just to kind of keep them to myself but if you want to know anything about me just ask and i have zero problem sharing my opinion because if i think it i have thought a lot about it and i have developed kind of my points of view on it they're not all emotion-based About this adjective, opinionated, does it carry more like a negative connotation? Would you say? Yeah, yeah, it can. It can. Because typically when you call someone an opinionated person, you're kind of labeling them as someone who talks too much. <laughs> oh, or someone that expresses their opinions way too much. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. Anyways, we could go on and on for hours. It's so good to hear you talk. I told you before, you could either write a book, apply for presidency of the U.S., or even start giving lectures. Huh? <laughs> Maybe one day, one day. Right now, right now, my focus is I'm moving to America. Just so you guys know who followed the last podcast, right? My wife, she, she was denied her visa because we forgot one document. I'm happy to tell everybody that we actually have it in hands now. So it came in the mail. We have her passport, documents Good. in hands. Awesome. So we're ready to rock and roll. We actually leave in six weeks from yesterday on the recording of this podcast. So pretty soon we'll be in the States. And uh, yeah, so I mean, maybe one day, maybe one day. But right now, my, my attention is driven in too many other places as far as taking care of my family, working on my side projects, English with Mr. Finn, YouTube channel, things like that. Maybe someday, maybe someday. But if I do, I need to kind of plan it because what am I going to write about? Because I have opinions literally about everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will come up with something. I'm sure. <laughs> Michael, thank you very much for your time and for sharing again your insightful perspectives. Mm, is that even a, is that even a word? Yes, that works. That works. That's okay. Correct. Your perspectives on politics on government anyway we we didn't even really yeah we didn't even really touch about politics government just how <laughs> american freedoms are important to americans it's always a pleasure to 
to meet up with you, to hear you talk. I always learn a lot from you and I hope the audience learned something too. And uh, hopefully, no, I certainly, yes, yeah, certainly next time we do this, you will be in the US already. That's the, that's the plan. That's, that's the plan. plan. I hope yeah. everything goes smoothly with your move and I'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.